It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Rams Nation, what's happening? What's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Lockdown Rams. It's the Wednesday edition of Lockdown Rams. First off, I want to say sorry to you guys. I had an episode fully done yesterday, about 40 minutes long. I went back to edit it, and it had a buzzing sound throughout the whole thing. I think my speaker or my Mike was messed up, but we are back Wednesday edition, so we've got a bunch to cover today, and you know what that means. We have got Jake from Downtown Rams with us. Jake, how you doing, bud? I'm good, man. Back in the house. It's uh, I'm excited. Let's let's get this thing going. Oh, man, we have got a lot to get to, and we got a lot to get to throughout this week. Before we do, I want to make sure everyone gets a chance uh, to go give Jake a follow at Downtown Rams. Jake, what's your personal on Twitter? Uh, it's going to be at JK Bogan DTR. Uh, so it's uh, capital JKB and then it's uh, lowercase O G E N and then DTR, all capitals. Awesome. Go check them out there on Twitter. Also on the website, downtownrams.com. They have got tons of stuff going on. Every time we schedule to have a conversation, it's usually really late East Coast time because he's already talked about three or four prospects <laughs> that day and getting ready for the draft. This is. I was kind of saying it yesterday, and it's sad. It never got onto the – I don't think this one ever made it to the podcast, but I was saying it was like your Christmas over the weekend uh, with the Combine going on. We're going to get to that. We're going to talk some Combine stuff with you. We're going to kind of throw some more mock drafts out at you that I've seen across the webs and where people are picking uh, at 31 for the Rams. And But we got to get to some immediate news that happened today. Uh, we saw a couple movement pieces here from the Rams. Uh, the Rams – have uh, declined the option for John Sullivan and he will now be a free agent. And they also released Mark Barron instant reaction thoughts for you when you saw that today. Yeah. So my first reaction for John Sullivan was joy because look, you know, appreciate John coming in. Um, Obviously, you know, the Rams really needed a center after the whole Tim Barnes mishap and um, they ended up actually extending Barnes, if you remember. So, you know, he completely flopped and, you know, John Sullivan came in there as kind of a late addition um, and, and, you know, he held his own, but really, this this past year, you, you kind of saw, you know, the, the really good player in John Sullivan is gone now. Uh, you know, at this point in his career, he has hit that age where, I mean, he's just hit a wall and uh, the Rams had to move on from him. Now, I don't know if they're completely moved on from him because it could just be that they're going to bring him back at a reduced rate and I'd be OK with that. But I wouldn't be OK with him starting. I think that's the biggest thing here. I don't I don't really think he's an NFL starter at this point in his career. You know, I do look at guys where, you know, you have like an Austin Blythe that has played center uh, before. And I think that's a a decent, you know, in-house move. I also, you know, look at somebody um, that they drafted in Brian Allen, who, you know, I'm not as high on as the consensus Rams fan, but, you know, they have some in-house options. And I think that's really the key here. Um, as far as Baron, because I don't want to just go right into free agency or anything like that. Um, as far as Baron, 
you're talking about a guy that was a lot harder to cut. I mean, you know, I, I know a lot of people were saying, you know, cut Baron, and I was one of them. I mean, obviously the cap savings, no brainer. They saved 13 and a half million. Um, but with Mark Barron, he's been with the Rams for five years. I, I remember distinctively when the Rams, you know, traded a fourth and a sixth for him and Tampa Bay, you know, traded him away because he didn't fit the Tampa two defense. You know, I remember that former seventh overall pick at Alabama. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was a huge move at the de- you know, at the deadline. And, you know, the Rams didn't end up going to the playoffs or anything that year, but it made it a lot more exciting being able to go out and get that big name that everyone knew. And it was like they gave up a fourth and a sixth for a guy that made it five years with this team and and probably could have made more. Um, and I think really what does him in here is, you know, the switch to the three, four with Wade Phillips. Um, had this been, you know, Greg Williams still been there. Um, I think he'd still be at the Rams. I think he fits what Greg Williams does, which um, I kind of watch out for him. You know, as an NFL fan that's listening to this, watch out for him. You know, wherever Greg Williams goes, um, he could be a fit there. He could be a fit with the Jets. There are a lot of Mark Barron is going to have a market. So I don't think this is a bad move at all. If anything, I think it's great by the Rams. You cut this guy, you know, on the fifth, you give him all that time before free agency to kind of prepare himself. That's how it's done. You know, don't don't cut these guys right before free agency hits and have them scrambling, you know, with their agent, trying to A, find themselves a home, like an, a literal home, like we're talking a house. Right, <laughs> and, right. And then the next point, trying to find themselves a, a home for where they're going to play their football, you know, and that's what I like about this move today. Um, you know, obviously Sullivan, there was a deadline that had to be hit and they declined his option. But with Barron, there's no deadline. And so, you know, they cut him whatever they need to cut him and and they decided to do it today. And I think it gives him plenty of time uh, before free agency hits next Wednesday. God, can you believe it, Bear? Next Wednesday? Um, I know. <laughs> but I, I just I love that move because you, you save that space. Uh, you give him an opportunity to go and find somewhere. And, you know, it, it just it's a shame because, you know, the nostalgia in me is like, man, Mark Barron, five years with the Rams. I mean, guy was you know, elbowing like Cam Newton and, and, uh, you know, like Colin Kaepernick in the face, right, like, right. A brutal dude. And it, it's gonna, it's gonna suck not seeing number 26, but, um, you know, I wish him the best of luck wherever he goes. And I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of his wherever he goes. Cause you know, again, five years with the Rams and I mean, he started to come on towards the end of the year. So I think he really has a market. Yeah, when you, and when you say nostalgic, it definitely leans towards Mark Barron a little bit more than John Sullivan. I agree with you. I think we got a, a lot out of John Sullivan, but where he's at in his age and his career, we saw him later in the season just kind of look to wear down a little bit, not only like injury-wise, which you, you saw him a little banged up from time to time, but just kind of getting ran over. Uh, the Super Bowl wasn't his best game, wasn't his best performance, and that's what the last kind of taste we have. Uh, and when you're looking at money and you're looking at future of this team, you talked about some of the place, uh, the guys behind him that we can move into his place, whether it's sliding Blythe over or, or you know, giving Allen a true shot. I think there's going to be a definite competition at that center spot. Or we go out and we look to spend some of that money that we saved from him on a center. Uh, there's definitely some options in the draft as well. So there's plenty of options which way we go there. Maybe we take some of the money we saved from both these players today, 13.5, as you mentioned, million dollars, and put it back into Roger Saffold and try to, you know, um, 
build that line that way. I don't know if that's really the answer there, but you know, when you're looking at Mark Barron, you're right. I mean, we got him back in 2014, you know, it was a great trade for the Rams getting somebody that uh, was extremely exciting coming over and uh, used to play safety. We moved him into linebacker in that first year in 2015, 113 tackles, five pass deflects and three forced fumbles. The man was a monster that year. And that's why the Rams basically gave him a five-year deal, $45 million dollars. Uh, but if you look at the production this last couple of years, he's been on and off injured. He started this season banged up. Last season, he was banged up. Uh, he had a career low. I believe it was 43 tackles this year. He's just an undersized linebacker, and it's starting to show. And we saw that you know, when we looked at the Rams' run defense, five yards per average on the ground. And you know, he just wasn't able to fit in, like you said, into that Wade Phillips system. If it was a different system, maybe that works. And maybe that's better for him and his career as far as numbers, getting a better contract, moving elsewhere. But yeah, seeing him go, both these guys are were on my cut list, right? And and it's sad as I'm starting to like make check marks next to people that we both kind of said we think they should release because one of the next ones on that list is uh, Michael Brockers. And I love Michael Brockers, but you know, when you're looking at saving $10 million, $10.5 million, you're starting to go, well, do I love Michael Brockers 10 million right now? I don't know. Uh, and that's kind of where I was at with Mark Barron. I always was a big fan of Mark Barron. He talked about some of those big plays and I'll never forget him, you know, just pummeling Cam Newton and just kind of de- demolishing him. <laughs> and like, and Cam's a big <laughs> dude. And just to see him run through him, there's plenty of highlight plays or uh, even going through pictures today as I was going to post something on Instagram, there was just all these great pictures of him, just nasty, big hits, kind of that guy that you loved on your defense out there making plays. But it just wasn't happening recently for the amount of money that you can save, which for Mark Barron individually was about $8 million that they saved by releasing them. It just it just makes sense as you got to look to rebuild and you got plenty of holes and you got Sue that's potentially leaving and you need an edge. You need another linebacker. And what are you going to do with these cornerbacks in the next couple of years? So there's a lot of questions there. I get the release, um, but it is kind of tough, as you see, like you said, you've been following this guy for a while and big name school, Alabama. You get really excited about those type of things. But financially, it just wasn't meant to be. We had to get rid of them. Uh, that all makes sense for us. And there's really, you know, kind of opens up so many questions. It's like, I wish we had Les Need joining us here in the second segment so we could ask him, well, what the heck's your game plan? Like, where are you going with this? Because there's so many ways that me and you can look at it, you know, sliding guys over, uh, filling in some rookies. There's the draft. There's still some free agents. A lot of big names weren't tagged today uh, and made them free agents to go out there and seek a contract. So uh, we look at this and I really think that we're going to take some of this money and upgrade some of those positions because now uh, we're looking at about $40 million is what we have in the cap space, depending on, you know, a couple of these contracts, but that's, that's a fair amount of money that almost puts us, it's just outside the top 10, I believe currently as it sits, all these other teams will probably release a couple of players and maybe pick up a couple extra bucks, but we're at least on the right side uh, on the upper half of teams that have some money. So a lot of things we can do with this stuff moving forward. Uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to step aside. We're going to get a quick break. We're going to get some words from some sponsors. We're going to be back on the other side. I'm going to start picking your brain about the combine. Some of the guys that stood out to you. And we'll start talking uh, some draft prospects on the other side. Wednesday edition, Lockdown Rams, Baron Jake, right after this.
The Suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football with your Locked On Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry, you can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. All right, Rams Nation, we are back Wednesday edition. We have got Jake from downtown Rams with us. We are talking all things football, obviously starting with the Rams and the release of Sullivan and Barron's Day, which kind of dominated the Rams news. But uh, over the weekend, man, it was it was fun to watch, man. I, I was saying it yesterday on my podcast that never made it. So you'll hear me kind of going back to that and referencing it that no one heard, but I heard it. Uh, <laughs> we talk, I was kind of talking about, you know, one, this is kind of, like a Christmas for you. I mean, this is every prospect that is, well, not every prospect, but majority of the prospects that are exciting and important are out there uh, doing their thing. And uh, Twitter loves the NFL combine. You know, you just jump onto Twitter and I know I follow a lot of sports teams and like a lot of sports things, but that was just trending all over the place because these guys are just turning out unreal numbers in the 40 time, whether you're a D end, a D lineman or a quarterback, there were some wow moments. Definitely at the combine. So just to kind of start it out, what was your overall takeaway from the combine? Maybe a couple guys, top three that, you know, jumped up the board and maybe a top three that fell down the board. Talk to me a little bit about just the overall draft combine for you. Oh, it was, uh, it was very enlightening. Um, you know, I, I gotta say my biggest takeaway from the combine is if you're a Rams fan and you're picking 31, I think there's going to be a really good pass rusher from the University of Florida falling into their lap. And, you know, from what I believe and from what I, I might, I, I'm not going to say I have, I, I you know, I, I've heard a little bit. Um, the the Rams would consider Ja'Kai Polite at 31 for sure. Um, and, and, you know, to me, I, I mentioned him going back to, I think it was November. I was posting about him, like, makes so much sense for the Rams and, you know, 
just kind of operating under the idea the Rams would pick 32. And then his stock started to fly up the board. I mean, this is somebody that, you know, he didn't play in an East West Shrine game. He didn't play in a senior bowl, but you know, you just, people were, were doubling back to his tape and, you know, quite simply put, this is somebody that really didn't, I guess like the words are, I mean, he didn't really talk well. <laughs> like, you know, there, there were teams that right. were very um, taken back by, you know, his maturity, I guess. Um, you know, he did say that every team bashed him except for the Rams, the only team that wanted to talk football, um, which I mean, is definitely a possibility because when you think about it, you're, you know, you're talking about giving a prospect, you know, millions upon millions of dollars, you want to see, you know, their overall psyche. And a lot of this stuff that they ask, are you a dog or are you a cat? You know, stupid questions like that. They do it on purpose. They want to see, you know, where you are mentally. Because, like, why am I going to make you, you know, our first-round pick when I don't have any first-round picks? Why am I going to trade up? Why would I even consider trading up to get you? And then, you know, same thing, uh, number one overall pick. Why would I make my number one overall pick you, you know, and, you know, even, even so just trading, I mean, or not trading, but drafting. I mean, talk about, you only get seven picks to start out, you know, the rest, you know, what you do after that is up to you, but you know, you start off with seven picks, you know, one through seven for the rounds. And, you know, I just think that, you know, with Ja'Kai Polite, I mean, he's a little more sensitive than, you know, other prospects. Um, I don't think he tested particularly well. He really only ran the 40 and he ran a 4.8. But, you know, the bottom line is it's as simple as you make it. I mean, you know, yes, it, it's a red flag. But if you're picking 31, 32, and, and I said this on Twitter, you know, if you're a Rams fan and you like Ja'Kai Polite, you believe in the film you watched, you, you like, you know, you believe in his fit, you think he can really help as an edge defender, um, then the combine was great for you because he – is potentially falling out of the first round. And I think he fits the Rams extremely well. And I know that's not all that happened, but I, I just thought that was the biggest takeaway and not even talking about, you know, Kyler Murray, who, I mean, now everyone's talking about going number one overall and he's my number one quarterback. Um, but it's just, you know, I, I thought the biggest storyline was Ja'Kai polite because it just seemed like everyone was, you know, putting him down on their board, but, I mean, there, it wasn't long ago the Rams drafted, you know, a cornerback with all sorts of off the field issues and, um, you know, a rap sheet taller than than his size. And, you know, that, that was uh, none other than Janoris Jenkins. And I thought he really he panned out. I mean, you know, you talk about a guy that if the Rams brought him back, I mean, he would have been a number one corner for a long time. So, um, right. You know, it, sometimes you just kind of you got to go with what you, your, your feeling is. Um you know, I got to give a shout out to my boy, uh, Blake Grisak, who has really, we've been talking about this for a while. Um, him and I have been huge Ja'Kai Polite fans, huge Ja'Kai to the Rams fans. And, uh, you know, we didn't think it was possible, but this weekend, it just kind of, it starts to seem more likely. Um, I think this is somebody that has 18 sack a year potential, um, if he gets to that. And, mm. you know, I, I think this is, um, this is a potential like, like, hear me out, uh, Brad. Like, I know it, it's crazy, but shout out to Blaine because, you know, he, he mentioned this to me, and I, I don't think it's far-fetched at all. Ja'Kai Polite is arguably a top 15 player, right? 
And then you have Justin Simmons. You, you remember that whole thing with the, the torn ACL and the yep. off the field issues. Well, he's a top 15 player as well. Neither will go in the top 15. What if the Rams get polite at 31 or say they just trade down and he falls to, you know, an early second round pick and they pick up an earlier pick and they end up with Justin uh, or yeah, um, they end up with Jeffrey Simmons. Um, Wow. You know, you'd be talking about getting two first round, two early first round picks and you only had one first-round pick and not a second-round pick in the draft. I mean, that'd be really impressive, and that'd be an unbelievable way to start off your draft. Because um, when you look at that team, and yes, they have needs, but they'll be able to tackle some of them in free agency. They'll be able to tackle some of them with their in-house options. I think you can make those picks. I really do. I think Polite fits a need at edge. Um, and, and quite simply put, I, I think you know Jeffrey Simmons is somebody that you know he'll come back at the end of the year because he's, you know, coming off a torn ACL. I think he'll be good to go by playoff time. And if you're a Rams fan, you should be, you know, at this point, you know, NFC championship should be the goal at least, you know? Right. I'm curious about the Rams and how they're going to attack that. And I I like what you kind of put together there saying, Hey, we can get two guys that are coming out, but that should be potential top 15 guys, but whether that's an injury or, uh, whether that's their personality and, and how they grade out on the other things, they're starting to fall a little bit. Uh, it, it is the question of, you know, we look back to last year's draft class and we didn't get a lot out of them as far as production. We've got a lot of guys we're still really excited about, but we haven't seen a lot uh, from them last year, right? So I'm curious to see how much the Rams want to invest into another guy that they're going to have to wait on. And I know that. You know, you have to look big picture. You have to think, okay, what's this guy going to be like in five years? Or, you know, what is, what's the top level for him? Can we wait a year to get a great production out of a guy? Uh, but I'm curious to kind of see what, what their thoughts would be on that as far as are they looking for guys that can come in as you, you start to look at what their needs are. Obviously, we know an edge guy is a need. But, you know, as we just talked about, uh, you know, missing uh Sullivan potentially uh Saffold on the front line are they looking maybe to get kind of a late first round O lineman there to fill in right away or someone to come in and help out with the depth there uh we also got safety is a big concern and you talked to me uh, I don't know if it was last week or the week before but kind of saying how deep the safety class is maybe they look to draft a safety there at that pick but I love you I love the mindset because you're right one of the things that I'm a big fan of is trading back with that 31 because if there's no one that is a must grab there that you can maybe pick up another pick move into the early uh mid round of the second round and pick up another pick then yeah maybe you can start to pick up some of those guys along with uh another guy that you wanted so uh, there's many ways to attack it uh but you know you mentioned it in one of the things you said and i think it's interesting how the combine is with judging not only on your physical ability, but being able to talk to these guys and ask them random questions like, do you like dogs or cats? And like you mentioned, the Rams getting in there, trying to know a person and, and more on the football field than, you know, giving them a, a chance to kind of rebuild their character. But, and, and you mentioned Kyler Murray at one, what are your thoughts on Kyler Murray real quick on the, to end this segment? What are your thoughts on Kyle Murray going at number one? Are you a believer in that? Or do you think uh, he's going to fall down a little bit? If so, is he a top 10 guy still in your mind? So, it's very it's an interesting situation there because it, it has nothing to do with the Cardinals. It's pretty much at this point all about Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, 
if they brought in any other head coach, Kyler Murray does not go number one overall. Um, I think he's definitely, you know, the dynamic he brings to your offense. You definitely have to make that argument. You definitely have to have those discussions, but he probably goes to like six, you know, with the giants or maybe he falls a little bit and Zach Taylor scoops him up with the Bengals. That's where I'd like to see him go. Um, I think that'd be awesome for Zach Taylor. His first year, he gets, you know, arguably one of the most polarizing quarterbacks already in the league. He's not even in the league yet. Um, but you know, this is somebody I, I gotta say, I mean, it's already been said by, you know, many people, but you know, Cliff Kingsbury comes from Texas Tech, and I mean he was he scouted Kyler Murray. He's on uh, right. film. I don't know if you saw that. He's on film saying um, if he had the first round, if he had the first overall pick right. to draft Kyler Murray, you know, tomorrow or whatever he said. So I mean, it's kind of like you know, put up or shut up. But I don't think he's doing it for that reason. I think he truly meant it. You know, those words, and you know, you're talking about somebody that is going to change. You know, because you go into every week during the NFL season, um, you know, every week's a must win. Uh, there's only 16 weeks in a regular season. So you go into each week playing the Cardinals. Now, like I just played Tom Brady and I, you know, I had to make sure, you know, to be a little more aggressive, make sure to get to him. And, you know, obviously his quick release is such an issue. And then the next week, your whole game plan is going to change because you're playing Kyler Murray who's probably just as methodical, but he uses his legs extremely well. And he's not a, you know, a, a typically just a running quarterback. I mean, he's somebody that will set up the throw using his legs and not a lot of running quarterbacks do that. Um, not a lot of mobile quarterbacks do that. Um, so, I mean, of course, you know, Lamar Jackson was my number one quarterback last year. So, I mean, you could say I like the mobility, um, right. but at the same time, Kyler just, he is unbelievable with some of the throws he makes and he is the best quarterback in this draft. And, you know, going back, I mean, I graded Rosen higher, but I mean, my thing is it's a new regime, you know, Rosen was drafted by the Wilkes regime. And I always felt, and maybe I'm wrong for thinking this, but the Cardinals were never invested in Josh Rosen. Okay. That pick. That's weird. I kind of got that feeling too. You know, that, that pick kind of just fell into their lap and they're kind of like, well, we're going to be talked about the way the Giants are talked about because they just picked Saquon Barkley. We're going to be talked about as the team that didn't pick a quarterback. And really, I'll say this right now, this falls on Steve Kime, who I just think has done a, a terrible job as a G, uh, as a general manager. Um, the Cardinals were set up. Um, you know, They got Carson Palmer, who was starting to play at a really high level and probably played his best football under Arians. That was the time. Instead, they go out and get Logan Thomas in the middle of, you know, the draft, uh, you know, way back when. And he doesn't even make it. He, you know, he's made it in this league based on his receiving ability. He was moved to tight end. So, you know, I, I look at that and I'm kind of like, you know, Kime had an opportunity when he had Palmer playing at that level. He had Drew Stanton as number two. And I'm not saying Drew Stanton's, a, you know, going to light the world on fire but drew stanton's a solid backup solid solid backup yeah that gave you an opportunity to go out and get your third you know your your developmental quarterback and you know i get um i i mentioned it you know logan thomas didn't work out okay our guy before palmer retires it's that simple and and to be put in a situation where you have to pay 20 million dollars 
to Sam Bradford to kind of just bail you out of your really <laughs> poor decision making uh, on and <laughs> in the front office room and out of the front office room. <laughs> if you've, you know, delved, in, delved into those, um, you know, those that news bit and everything with him. But um, I know it sounds like I'm going at him, but it, it's frustrating as a football fan. Um, because it, yeah. it's been good I for mean, the they... Rams. Don't get me wrong. It's been great. For the yeah. Rams. yeah. You know, the Cardinals should have been a team that won 10 games last year, you know, and, and they fired their coach after one year. I mean, really, it's the general manager. So that's kind of, you know, I know I've been going off on a tangent here, but with Josh Rosen, you felt the vibe. I felt the vibe. I'm sure a lot of teams in the league felt the vibe. So they probably have received interest uh, to, for trade um, with Josh Rosen. I mean, there were, there were teams that were taken, um, they, they were taken back by the way, you know, the whole, you know, F Trump uh, hat that he had on and all that stuff. And he didn't have any true off the field issues. People just questioned his character. You know what I mean? Like he didn't have an instant where he punched a lady, you know, in a grocery line or anything like that, you know, stupid stuff that comes out during the draft. He didn't have any of that. But he he wasn't like the fine tuned character guy, so you know yeah. he got he just kinda... rubs people the wrong way. Exactly, you know he just has that, it, and he and you hear a lot of people say he's a true competitor and he's an elite guy. But you know, and there's reports coming out of Arizona talking about that. You know, he does have that locker room, and that that players were loving his competitive nature even when they were doing poor. So oh, yeah. there's a lot of conflicting reports, and it's going to be interesting because you talked about. You know, Kingsbury talking about wanting him when he was, you know, he would take him number one overall if he was there. And well, now he is. So (laughs) we're going to see how much power he's got as a first year head coach coming in there. And I'm curious to see what they're going to do and go, hey, listen, you're your team. But this is your first time, first NFL job. And all of a sudden they're going to let him loose and and trade their guy that they, you know, kind of dubbed as their franchise quarterback. But at the same time. Uh, at that combine, the, the general manager you were talking about basically said, for now he is. So uh, a lot yeah. of doors open there. But I find that interesting because right now they hold the number one pick. So uh, there's a lot of talk for a guy who really didn't do much at the combine besides getting measured. Uh, you know, we'll see him throw at his pro day, but uh, more to come on that. But what we're going to do is we're going to step aside. I got some more questions on the combine. and We'll get to some Rams related uh, draft picks down at 31 but we're going to step aside we're going to take a quick break get some words from some sponsors we'll be right back wednesday edition lockdown rams jake and bear right after this All right, Rams Nation, we are back. Third and final segment, Wednesday edition. We're talking draft. We talked some Rams news at the beginning. I got a couple more questions on the draft, then we'll throw a couple players your way and see what you think. But uh, talk to me about, do you believe in the 40 time? Is that something that wows you? Because we saw guys like Rashawn Gary out of Michigan, Montez Sweet, that had amazing record-breaking uh, performances. And then there was D- DK Metcalf, who just kind of burst on the scene. We all kind of knew him from some of the photos that were going around on Twitter with him just looking like a UFC fighter, like scarier <laughs> than a UFC fighter. And the guy runs an amazing 40 time. He's got a 40 uh, inch vert. Uh, do you believe in some of these measurables or do you think it's, you know, maybe a little too far on to get into some of the hype on some of that? So it's a cool tool. Um, but you know, there were a lot of there were a lot of guys going around with uh, the guy from 
uh, what's his face uh, from Old Miss that ran like a four two, the safety. And right, they're, they're like he plays like a four eight on film, you know. So it's a lot of it is really mental processing. Um, these guys can run, uh, you know, in a sprint, they can run really fast, but it's all about the tape. I mean, and, and that's how you go back and you watch the tape. So guy runs a four five and he really blows you away. For instance, I'll drop a name right now that you should write down. It's also potentially coming on the podcast sooner or later, but uh, Blake Cashman linebacker, Minnesota. Um, this is somebody that I look at and I'm like classic athletic guy at the combine. And then, you know, I go back and I watch his tape and I'm like, okay, this isn't just a combine, darling. People need to start talking about him. He's literally going to be in my top 50 on my big board. So, you know, Blake Cashman, somebody that I think is really going to make an NFL team happy, whatever one drafts him. And he's an instance where you look at what he ran at the combine. And if he wasn't under radar, now he is. You go, you watch the tape, you do your due diligence. And then it's quite simply put, you either decide, okay, that was worth it, or no, it wasn't. And there are a lot of guys like that. Um, For instance, you know, somebody like Will Harris, uh, you know, who I saw in person at the Senior Bowl, and he basically was telling guys that he was going to run a 4-4 uh, and, and at the combine. And I just, I didn't really believe him. Um, I just, I looked at him and I was like, he's big. Like there's, there's no way he's going to move that fast. And uh, yeah, he moves very fast. He's extremely fluid and could be an interesting option for the Rams. Uh, Will Harris at uh, Boston college. So um, that's another uh, instance. I know there were people knocking this. I th- I found hilarious. People were knocking Byron Murphy, who I don't know if you've watched the corners in depth, Brad, but Byron Murphy, when I watch every other corner, it, no one has, no one is as fluid. No one is, is, uh, you know, sure um, of what they're doing than Byron Murphy. I mean, he would be right up there. He's going to be in a top five slot for me. Um, he's going to challenge the number one overall uh, spot on my board. And I don't think he's going to get there, but um, like I finished his grade and I mean, he's not our, he's not even there yet. I mean, it's Quentin Williams, I think is the best player in this draft, but you know, Byron Murphy is somebody, he ran a four five, five. So now we're going to pretend that he's not the best cornerback because he's not the best technically yeah. sound. He's now flawed. It, it just, that stuff cracks me up. Like where as uh, you know, somebody like I think Dexter Lawrence who runs a five, at that, you know, at 240 something pounds and he runs a five flat, it's like, that's impressive to me. Um, Tristan Hill is another guy at a UCF, um, you know, guys like Drew Tranquil, who I thought had really good weeks and, you know, Drew's issue coming out of Notre Dame has never been about talent. Um, he's just been the Alex Anzalone of this draft. He's great when he's healthy, but he's never healthy. So hopefully he can stay healthy. And there are just guys, you know, watching Isaiah Johnson with that six foot three, frame at cornerback being able to move the, as well as he did you know at the senior bowl and obviously transfer to the field uh field drills and running a 4-4 at the combine you know guys like that um but you know to answer you know that question really you have to take it with a grain of salt um you know i think guys i use it as a tool if a guy wasn't on my radar you know now i can put them on that, that list go back watch the tape and if i haven't watched the tape then i have this guy that i just found and i feel great about it um if i have and i didn't see him run that well i go back and i'm like okay he didn't run that well um he's just a sprinter guy and and to me that's 
you know, I, I dock them a point for that because you have to look at it like it's a mental processing issue. If you can run a four three, there's no reason why you can't run it when it actually matters. Um, it's just simply put, it, it's right. the fact is that you are thinking too much. You're not playing with instinct. You're not playing, you know, naturally. Um, it's just football is not natural for you. And there are guys like that, you know, they even get by that end up being starters in this league and maybe even pro bowlers, but you know, football doesn't always come naturally. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the crazy thing, but somebody like Mark Fields, who was kind of my sleeper, um, because I watched him, he's a Clemson guy. So you're like, why is he a sleeper? Well, I'll tell you, he didn't really play a ton at Clemson. Uh, it was kind of, you know, lower on there. And, and I think really the issue with him is, has been his off the field question marks that, you know, we don't really know all of what happened, but that's all I keep hearing. And he ran a four, three at the combine. Um, he was the best corner in mobile. And I just think his stock is, is rising tremendously, but you know, at the same time, you know, guys that run horribly, um, like somebody like Terrell Hanks, he, you know, you could clearly see him pull up, hurt his hammy, you know, and so now four, nine, eight will be on his record, but it's like, he didn't, you know, clearly he didn't run that. I mean, he did, but he was kind of hurt, you know? So I, you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. And I guess the last thing I'll add to that is when you look at the 40 time and you look at the way these guys run in the NFL and, you know, even in college is a receiver coming out of a sprinter stance, quarterback, running back, you know, corner safety. Yeah. And that's, you know, and you're right. And you talked about it early. And when you were talking there is like, you know, you're four, three, at the combine, but you run and you look like a four, eight on your tape, you know, it's being able to put it into a football move and a football position while you're thinking or not thinking with whatever type of, uh, football IQ you have and how you can put that all together. The funny thing I found about, uh, Metcalf, which you, you know, we talked about kind of blowing up the combine on some of his numbers is, you know, his 40 dash was a four, three, three, uh, but his three cone and 20 yard, uh, shuttle, were slower than Tom Brady's times and like that, that that type of things. You're like, all right, the guy can on a straight line shoot faster than anybody, but how can he move side to side? And you think about some of those routes that you're going to run as wide receiver. Think about what Cooper Cup runs as wide receiver. Some of those routes where he digs in, cuts right back out. Like you got to have that side to side quickness as well. Uh, it's a big package, and and that IQ is a big part of it. If you're overthinking it while you're on the field, and your whole thing is, can I just run a go route, and that's all you got in the, in in your you know kind of uh, repertoire, then you're in trouble in the NFL. So there's a lot more to go into it, and. Uh, that's why we got so excited when we got a guy like Cooper Cup that didn't wow at the combine. Did a great job, right? He was he was oh, ended yeah. up picking him up in the third round, but uh, you know wasn't that you know trending on Twitter with his forty time type of thing. But we didn't we didn't need that. You need a football player, so uh, that's where these guys got to break it all down. Speaking of football player and the Rams, I'm going to throw out a couple names just to kind of close the show here with you. We've got a an ongoing list that I'll continue to throw your way as we do this and. Uh, we talked about doing a mock draft as well. So uh, just kind of looking at the list here, let me pull it back up. Um, this comes actually from a guy that's on the network here, Kyle Krabs. He's uh, part of the Draft Dudes podcast. Uh, he posts also to the Draft Network. He had his picking up after, this was after the uh, combine, Chris Lindstrom, offensive line, Boston College. What do you think about that? Yeah, Kyle's my boy. Um, love Kyle and love what the uh, the Draft Network guys are doing um just phenomenal work really um but 
as far as Lindstrom, I think it's a good pick. Um, you know, it, it really depends. I would need to know like who was on the board when he decided to make that pick. But, um, you know, I, I don't think it's a bad move to me. Lindstrom is you solely believing that, you know, you're, you're writing off Saffold. Um, I think anyway, right. You know, so that's an interesting thing for me. Um, I also am running off Saffold because at the end of the day, I do think he wants to be a Ram, but if the Jets offer him, you know, record-breaking deal, like I believe they're going to, how do you turn that down? (laughs) You know, at at this point, you know you're not going to get a deal like that, you know, for the rest of your career. This is your last payday. I think that's the the toughest part about Saffold is it's his last payday. But as far as Chris Lindstrom goes, I mean, he is awesome. Um, Just a really stout uh, offensive lineman. Um, I don't know if he could play center. I think he's more of a guard, but... Um, that's probably why I brought up Saffold, but yeah, I really liked him at Boston college and shout to Boston college. Cause while they put John Johnson in the league and they put all these guys in the league, this draft class, man, you know, we talked with Wyatt Ray on the podcast, uh, from Boston college. There's guys like camp Cheevers. I've had Will Harris, who I mentioned earlier. Um, you know, Lucas Dennis, uh, there is Zach Allen. I mean, there's so many Boston college guys. So it's, it's actually really cool to see a school like that. Just, constantly churning out NFL talent because you know they have something in that coaching staff that you know people aren't really talking about yeah no that's an interesting point and it's funny because uh actually Kyle also put I believe in the uh the little notes under each pick and he said well with Saffold being gone this would be kind of my reason of taking this so I think you're right there into kind of assuming that you know Saffold leading kind of you know leans him into this pick um, another one interesting, and I think this was pre-combine, and this guy is one of the guys that had uh, a really good combine as far as numbers go, uh, the 40 and, and elsewhere. Uh, Devin Bush, linebacker of Michigan. Uh, this is from RJ White with CBS. Thoughts about Devin White falling to us? Would that would that be a fair assumption at 31? Yeah, so uh, Devin Bush is somebody that could definitely make it to the Rams. I know he ran a 4-4, and there are teams in this league that solely – um, value power, uh, speed, um, not power <laughs> speed. So there's a chance that, um, he'll get picked earlier. I, there's something about Devin Bush that I don't know if I would want him at 31. Um, but I, I, I could be, you know, wrong in thinking that, but like, I just, I don't know. Um, I like him as a prospect. I just, he screams round two to me and just seems like a reach and that, you know, I think I'd rather have a Jeffrey Simmons, who I absolutely believe would be there. Um, somebody I'm willing to, you know, wait on him to, you know, get healthy and everything, especially with the news that, you know, uh, Rich Hammond dropped on Twitter about Michael Brockers. And, you know, now it, it's not to say Brockers won't be cut, but he said the Rams aren't going to try and, and restructure that deal. So he's either getting cut, which he doesn't expect because it didn't happen it, it, you know, the first domino would be the biggest domino to fall. Um, but I, you know, if he ends up staying, I think that gives you more leverage to go out and get a Jeffrey Simmons, because now it's like you have Brockers, you have JFM, you have, you have the time to kind of wait and it out. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, they drafted, you know, the kid from Rutgers last year, Sebastian Joseph day, who they like a lot. So I don't know. I mean, I, I would rather do that. Um, I definitely see the need there though, because you know, with linebacker and, I'll say this right now. I know a lot of people are obsessed with Micah Kaiser. 
Uh, Devin Bush, as far as an athlete, uh, would just be a trillion times better having him out there. Right. Um, so I, you know, there's that, of course. And, and again, great athlete. I just don't know. Like he's a little small. Um, which I'm not talking about the height. I've never cared about height. It's all about weight with me. You know, he doesn't. He's just not a big guy. So you saw with what you saw, the reason why the Rams are likely moving on for Baron, besides the cap number, he doesn't really fit the three four. He doesn't really get off blocks all that well. He can get swallowed up because he's a smaller body guy, really needs to run downhill. And, you know, even so, I mean, he's really just, you know, a, a, I'd say a weak side linebacker in, in a 4-3. But what, what I look at, you know, with Devin Bush is I kind of feel like he's a 4-3 guy as well. Like, I could see him going to a Seattle Seahawks team. I could see him going to the Steelers, although they run a 3-4. Um, they do a lot of different things with their linebackers though, but I could see him going to like, you know, a Seahawks, um, the, the Colts, I, I could see him going to, you know, when I look at what he can bring to the table, um, maybe Cincinnati, uh, a little early, obviously they have to trade down, but I it just, I don't know. And, and you know, he could very yeah. well end up there, but I don't know, man, I'm kind of, well, you're you're a Kansas Jayhawk guy, and I'll give you credit for that. Well, I'm a Michigan guy, so I, I have a little extra crush on on Devin Bush because hey. I got to watch him a lot last year, <laughs> and uh, he was fun to watch. You're right, though; he can get swallowed up in some blocks and kind of go missing at times. But man, when he is on, he is a fun linebacker to watch. He is, you know, great at rushing the passer. He's uh, he's a big physical guy as far as when he gets your hands on you. But um, he was fun to watch last year. I would love to see a Michigan guy end up out here in L.A. It would be fun for me. But if it's not the fit, it's not the fit. Uh, I'll give you one more, then we'll get out of here. This one uh, comes from Bleacher Report's Matt Miller. And this is Nazir Adderley. What are your thoughts on him out of Delaware? Um, I love Nasir Adderley. So I, I don't know if he'll be there. Um, it's very intriguing to me because how many – how many people are going to go out to his Delaware pro day? That's really the question because they didn't get to see him run the 40. He wasn't able to work out because of the, uh, the injury that he suffered. So he didn't work out at all at the combine. He just did interviews. And I mean, I talked with this kid and he's just awesome. He really is. Um, you know, talking with him face to face, uh, just somebody, his face lights up when he talks about, you know, the potential of going to the NFL and just, you know, just overall, um, you know, football, uh, you know, he loves football. You know, you're going to get somebody with a chip on their shoulder because they come from Delaware. But at the same time, that same chip that they have on their shoulder, they're also very humble. And, you know, somebody like um, Nasir Adderley, you could see that, you know, it meant a lot to him, you know, having that interception at the end of the game, you know, at the senior bowl to clinch that. And, you know, he's still a kid just like me, really. I mean, that's kind of the hardest thing, you know, interviewing these guys is, I mean, they're the same age as me. So, you know, right. he's having he's having fun. I'm having fun. Well, you must be lucky you know? if I interview these guys. It's like interviewing this guy that's 15 years younger than me. I'm like, it's a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's I really like him a lot. Um, I think first and foremost, he fits a need, um, you know, with LaMarcus Joyner not coming back. I, I don't believe he'll come back. Um, he can fit right in at free safety, can be that single high guy, allow John Johnson to really um, you know, get his hands dirty. Um, that that's really what John Johnson wants to do. I mean, he's kind of the complete player that, you know, can play, um, you know, man to man against like a, a Rob Gronkowski, 
Um, he can, you know, play, you know, deep zone and, and, you know, be a, a ball hawking safety. He can come up and, and really, you know, lay the wood. And, and I think that's why, you know, they want to get, I'm not saying that they've confirmed this, but I, I think that's why they would want to get another guy like Joyner, a little more refined and, and more disciplined. Um, you know, because Joyner has a tendency to just kind of, you know, fly at the guy. Um, Nasir's going to fly, but he's going to make the tackle, you know, nine times out of 10. And, you know, not also is he a, a, a great, you know, tackler, but, um, you know, he also does such a great job. I mean, his, his range, I think he'll run like a four, four, um, you know, his range is unbelievable. And, you know, I think his ability to, to play any of the cornerback positions as well is also up in the air because I, I think that's something that he can do. And I just, I love the guy in run support. I love the guy. He just doesn't, I guess the biggest issue with him is kind of like what they said about Marcus Mariota coming out of, uh, you know, um, Oregon. He doesn't have a red flag. There's not a hole in his, like, what is his weakness? Like, what is, right. what am I missing? So it begs the question, you know? So, I mean. Well, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I don't think he's going to be there. Uh, I think someone's going to see all those great things that you just kind of said before 31. Uh, he will be a good fit if he was there. I think there's going to be a couple safeties there. But I think that is the big question. We talked about earlier when we were talking about Lindstrom is, you know, at 31, who's there? What are we looking to get? What have we gotten already in the free agent market? There's a lot of holes to kind of be filled in that meantime. What have we done with some of these free agents? But uh, I, I like him too. I kind of was able to kind of go back. And I know you, you mentioned he didn't get to do anything at the combine, but his name was talked about quite a bit. So I got to go kind of look and look him up a little bit. And he seems like a fun player. And I just kind of told you I'm a, a Michigan guy. And those helmets that he rocks, pretty familiar oh, yeah. to, no, to my, my team. So <laughs> those are sweet. Yeah, those are some sweet helmets, but um, he would be a fun player to get uh, back there with John Johnson. Uh, we'll see what kind of happens. I've got a ton more to get to as we continue to talk. Uh, guys, don't forget to check us out, both of us. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever podcasts are at, we're at. Uh, Locked on Rams, Downtown Rams. You can find us all over Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Come join our groups, interact, ask questions. If you guys ever want to have some questions for the show, hit us up. Uh, we will definitely handle those on the show. But, Jake, thanks so much for stopping by. We appreciate it. We look forward to talking to you again next week and hearing more draft coverage as we get ready for the 2019 hey, draft. Man, it's always a pleasure. Um, you know, I, I enjoy – I mean – Keep in mind, we can't get all in a podcast. But, I mean, we could, you know, literally talk for four hours. Uh, so I, I think that's pretty common knowledge now. So, um, no, I appreciate you, you know, invite me on, um, you know, every Wednesday. And um, I, the, the draft, I mean, I, I can't express, you know, the, how excited I am to, you know, kind of release the stuff we're doing because Alexis and I have some stuff up our sleeve, but as well as the rest of the downtown Rams uh, team over here at DTR and, um there's more to come so you know it's uh i appreciate you know letting me come on your show and you know i'm, I'm excited because i think uh maybe next week i'll drop a rams centric uh mock draft you know i think that'd be fun awesome we can't wait for it again guys go give him a follow he's putting up a ton of awesome content right now and uh we look forward to talking to you next week
Hey, Locked On listeners. You already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fantasy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.